Hey everyone, and welcome to the No Pants Required podcast. I'm your host, Jen Mann, and today I'm wearing, well, I mean, in the spirit of the whole no pants thing, I am not wearing pants. Have I talked to you about my Snuggie yet? Like, I wear this Snuggie thing, and I find that it's more comfortable when it's pantsless. So, I don't know, I do my best work in a Snuggie. Don't judge me, it's part of my creative process. Anywho, today my guest for this episode is Mary Catherine Backstrom. Mary Catherine has been featured on The Ellen DeGeneres Show, sharing her holiday magic viral video. Mary Catherine is a viral sensation whose writing focuses on reaching families in the trenches of new parenthood. Her musings of hope, humor, and spiritual inspiration have been featured on The Today Show, Washington Post, Good Morning America, and more. Born and raised in Alabama, MK believes in good manners and the power of kind words. She is married to her college sweetheart, Ian, and they currently reside in the Sunshine State with their two children, Ben and Holland. Hey guys, today I have Mary Catherine Backstrom on the program. And it's funny because literally just now as we were doing the countdown, I was like, oh quick, is it MK or Mary Catherine? Because I realized like we are friends online and we predominantly interact online yeah. as people too. And yeah. MK is a lot quicker to type. So Yeah. MK so is the people who I like. Call me MK. So I think you okay. can. <laughs> so we may go back and forth because I have That's to fine. say, and I'm sure I'm not the first person to tell you this, and I'm sure you're going to punch me in the throat when I tell you this, but when I hear, it's really hard not to say Mary Catherine Gallagher. Oh yeah, no. This is a this is a thing since sixth grade. I guess I don't know which sixth graders were allowed to watch Saturday Night Live. Now that I think about it, that was edgy. But yeah, no, I've been getting that for a while. I'm just glad there's no more famous Mary Catherine. There's Mary Catherine Ham. She was like a Fox News person. Oh, I don't, I don't watch that channel, so I'm not sure. Oh, neither do I. <laughs> Turns out she's a brunette. Looks a lot like me, and her name is Mary Catherine. So, oh, great. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> well, I'll try not to sniff my armpits or anything like that, and we'll just have a good time today. I but- might sniff mine. <laughs> so I met Mary Catherine a few years ago. I'm trying to think how long it's been. It's been a while. We both came out of blogging. About six years ago. Probably six years ago yep. now. And your what's the name of your blog? Tell me the name of your blog. So when you know when I got started, it was Mom Babble. Okay. Yeah. That, changed, was, that right? was kind of it. I just got tired of being branded as like I could only, what I found was that anytime I like went off on a rant, whether it be like political or whatever, people would be like, you need to stick to parenting. I'm like, fine, I'll just change my name. So now it's just my name. <laughs> okay. That's what I thought. I thought, you know, it was interesting because back in the day when we all started, we all kind of were just like, we were told like, be the blog, be the brand, yeah, be the blog. Yeah. And yeah. so I can't tell you how many people are in my phone and my email contacts is just, you know, people on a punch of throat or yeah. mom babble or baby Absolutely. cyber. <laughs> yeah. I've got you Meredith know? Ethington. She's Meredith Perfection. And then I have Meredith Masony and she's Meredith Inappropriate. And so everybody's last name is their blog name in my phone. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because that was the only way I could keep track. And, and same thing when I would t- talk to my husband about people, my friends on the internet, and he'd be like, which one is that? And, I, yeah. and then I tell him the blog name and he's like, oh yeah, okay, that yeah, one. Yeah. You know? No, like, hey Siri, call Jen. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Siri answered. Sorry, Siri. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my phone's ringing. No, it's not. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That's, and then, and then a few years ago, we all made the switch that we were like, oh, we should actually be branded like as our as right. I remember, as us, I remember the day I was like, just this blog. Exactly. And then I, I remember I was like writing a book and I thought, I'm not sure anybody knows who I am. So I asked my audience, they know me as mom babble. I said, do y'all know my name? And like 80% <laughs> of them were like, no, you're mom babble. I'm like, crap. You know, so that was a couple <laughs> years back and now we're all who we are. We're our names. <laughs> 
Well, literally the very first book I ever put out was a self-published book. And it was the, the, uh, the title was spending the holidays with people. I want to punch in throat by Jen of people. I want to punch in the throat. <laughs> that like, is fantastic. No one will know it's me. <laughs> I love that's like your handmaid's name. Instead of of Fred, you're of people. I want to punch in the throat. <laughs> always, always that and of, I just want to be alone. You know, the two of right, us. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's so great. I love it. Oh my gosh. Okay. So, so I, I love the content that you put out on the internet. If you guys are not following Mary Catherine mom babble, wherever you can find her, please find her content because I, you know, I have a pretty high bar for what I find to be funny. I have to say, I'm kind of a snob about funny stuff. And there was a video a few years ago, Christmas time. Yep which I'm sure you talk about all the time, but tell us about that video. I can't get mad at that video. Just about the whole day. I need to know about the whole day. No, it's a funny thing. I feel like I am Lisa Loeb and that video is my stay. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) (laughs) this is my thing. I will be, it's my calling card forever and it's not a bad one. It's so funny. So I had been, kind of testing the waters of Facebook Live when it came out, because as you know, as a blogger, it's like when when the algorithm gives you something new, you're supposed to do it. Otherwise, Zuckerberg punishes you. And so I was like, all right, fine, I'll try this Facebook Live thing. And, you know, we were we had the whole Chewbacca mom phenomenon. And so she kind of introduced the fact that it didn't have to be super polished. And I was like, oh, well, she's just telling stories in her minivan. I can do that, you know. So I just started kind of parking my car whenever something funny happened. And as if I would call a best friend, I just logged into Facebook Live and told the story. So that Christmas, I'm pretty much like Buddy D. Elf. It's my favorite holiday in the whole wide world. And I just kind of walk around with this extra magic. It might be my ADHD, like really cranking up, but I like to pretend it's magic. And so I'm like bouncing around and bebopping into this gas station. And I had just listened on the radio that said that the Christmas spirit made people interact more. They were more positive with one another. They were more generous with one another. And I was just like, yes, I love humanity. So I'm in line and I buy this lady a ginger ale because that's what I'm going to do for my Chris- with my Christmas spirit. I walk outside and I see this man, he's cleaning my windshield. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that is just, I love the world. And so I walk over to this guy and I was like, you know, this is my favorite time of year. I just love Christmas and humanity. And I give this man a huge hug. And that in that moment is when I realized it is not my car. He is cleaning his own windshield. And so he's <laughs> extremely confused. He's like, all right, you know, this is, I mean, he just kind of like stiffened up. Now I will say this is before COVID. I don't hug strangers anymore, which was probably a bad choice to begin with. But now I have extra reasons not to. But I just did a Facebook Live, Jen, and I told the story and I couldn't hardly get it out because I was still hysterically laughing. By the time I picked my kids up from school and got home, it had several million views, which was I wasn't accustomed to like in my world going viral meant a million views, which is still to, in my world, a viral video, but over the weekend it had 50, 60. And I think now it has 120 million views, which is just bonkers. And so as you might know, you know this, but like Ellen reached out and I got to go on the show and it was so much fun. So much fun. So you mean like the Ellen, Ellen DeGeneres, Ellen? The, the one and only who's having her last season of her show right now. So right? sad. But yeah, I it was funny. Actually, GMA reached out first. Okay. And I was kind of like, people had been tagging Ellen. And I was like, man, this is my, if I get to go on Ellen, I want to do that. So they asked me if I could commit to like two days later. And I was like, I, I don't know if I can commit. I've got like a couple emails I haven't opened yet. And they were like, well, we need to know today. So then Ellen did reach out and I was like, oh man, here it go. At first I thought like 
this is a scam, you know, like, oh, sure. Nigerian prince and give me my inheritance or whatever. But I hung up and told them to call me back. And when they did, it actually had, I think the Warner Brothers studio, maybe. I, th- I think that's who it was. Anyways, Ellen called. I accepted. I called GMA and you will love this. They told me, if you said no to us and it's Kelly Clarkson, we're going to be furious. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I was like, oh, sorry. But um, I was like, it's not Kelly Clarkson. It's Ellen. And honestly, if Kelly invited me on her show, I'd have been pretty dang excited too. But I guess they were like competing with her. It was really like, ooh, okay. Got it. <laughs> Interesting. I would think, I mean, listen, there. Just like a PSA for all the shows out there, there's plenty of us to go around. Like, right? You know? There's enough. There's plenty of viral moms doing weird things on the internet right now. Y'all don't have to fight over us. That is crazy. Like, we're we, all we're all a little bit broken. By, I know we've been by GMA. By GMA. So when I'll never Ellen, get back. so was it Ellen who called you or like a producer from the show who called you? It was her people getting in touch her with people. my people, which I mean, I didn't have people. So they just contacted me directly, but it was a cool process. I mean, you don't just get invited on the show. They invite uh, you for no. a, an interview. Like there was multiple interviews where I still wasn't sure if I was going to get invited. And so it was a little bit of a risk to say no to GMA because I didn't know if I was actually going to get to go to Ellen. And so it took a week and then they finally were like, we want you to come. And then when I got there, the craziest thing, they had like interviewed other people behind my back, which if you watch the video play out, I'm kind of just chatting and having a great time. And then Ellen starts listing off all these things that she knows that I've done. And I'm like, where did she get this information from? She's like, oh, you donated a kidney and you helped this waitress in your town. I'm like, this is so, I swear it's like Ellen has her own CIA and they go and like (laughs) research the people that she's going to have on the show. So it was a bizarre, but really cool experience. <laughs> Didn't you also have a viral video that, which I think is perfect for this podcast. Didn't you drop your kids off at school without pants on? Oh, I've done it once. Uh, well, no, that wasn't, it wasn't pants. It was, I didn't give extra pants, but that wasn't me. I don't think. Oh, that wasn't you. Sorry. No, it, didn't. It, could, no it could have been because I honestly don't I, remember all of the videos that I do. And I that does like sound like Maybe not even a video. It might have just been like a photo where you're like, yeah, I did. I posted a picture of my child who did not have backup clothes and I did not answer mm-hmm. the phone. And so they literally sent my child out of preschool in underwear and no shoes because he had peed all over his clothes. <laughs> and it was like the walk of shame, you know, <laughs> it was, and I got the note that's like, you didn't, you did not give us backup clothes and you did not answer your phone. And I was like, and if DHR or whoever it is that could, had come by, you know, we would have been cited. And so I was like, it was a huge mom fail, you know, and my kid wasn't super thrilled to be barefoot and naked in preschool. Although, you know, I remember a few years ago, my kids had, an, my son had an accident at school. Uh-huh. I should make, I should preface, he's 16 now. So it was many, many years ago. If somebody's listening to this, yeah, it's Yeah, when he was 14. Him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Last week, mm-hmm. he had a problem. But the nurse always, the nurse was like, oh, I have extra clothes. Like, you would think they the should. nurse would have some stuff in her drawer somewhere. Because I remember, like, think- she sent him home in it, and then I washed it and sent it back to school so that somebody else... Yeah, this preschool was super day. rigid. Like, it, I feel like mm. they probably did have extra clothes, but like, they weren't mine. So they, weren't they just wanted to be, and they just wanted to be difficult. Yeah, they wanted to prove to me that I had not followed the rules, and these are the consequences. I'm like, okay, I learned. Ooh, well, that's what I want to know too. So, so you present yourself as a hot mess mom. Yeah. Is that a fair assessment? I would say that that's like not just a title or a book or branding. It's like a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. My question is though, like, do you fit in with the other moms or? Or like, cause huh. I feel like this is kind of a little judgy. Like this was a little bit yeah, of a no. judgy moment that they're like, yeah. Oh, the hot mess mom. It totally is. You pants. know, I think my, I have accepted my role in the world is to make other people feel better about themselves. 
like, some people appreciate that and some people judge you, but like the ones that appreciate it, they really appreciate it. They're like, oh man, Mary Catherine, thank you for talking about your mental illness. You are so crazy that I feel normal. You know, I'm like, okay, I think that's a compliment. I'm not sure, but I will continue to talk about it. So, you know, I don't have a lot of friends, but that's mostly because even though I'm very extroverted on the internet, I'm actually kind of a hermit at home. Are you? Yeah. I, it surprises me too. I think that I've changed in in adulthood. Whereas I used to be super social in like high school and college, something about growing up, maybe my soul died a little bit. I don't like getting out with people anymore as much as I used to, Jen. Do you just not like people or is it oh, like I like energy people. that you have to exert to be there? Yeah, I love people. I just feel like after like three hours of peopling, I need like a whole day to recover. Right. Right. And yeah, yeah. I get that. Cause I feel like there's like energy vampires yes that like when you walk in and they just like suck all your energy out (laughs) right right well and then like here we are like year whatever days captain's log day 1000 of the pandemic and right I kind of got I kind of got accustomed to not having to be around people and now I know that there's the people in your life that are just take nothing from you when you're spending time with them those are your people, right? Your best friends. Mm -hmm. Like I could spend a week with them and be fine. I never need to recover, but like going to my son's baseball game and getting to know the parents and stuff like that does take energy. And I can be a hot mess, but I can't be like an embarrassing my son type hot mess. So there's an extra level of effort that goes into that. And it's exhausting. Okay. So I have to tell you something really cute. So the other night, the same, my same son who needed to wear someone else's pants home, (laughs) he's a junior in high school and he went to homecoming the other night. And for the first time and his date drove cause he doesn't have a driver's license yet. Cause he procrastinated and he didn't get a driver's license. So yep. this nice young girl drove him. So he texted us when he was on his way home and he was like, we are coming home. She's walking me to the door. Please make sure everyone has pants on. Like, so he's only answered the door. <gasps> Please do not embarrass like, me mom. And I was like, did you really think that like, I mean, we obviously know where you are. We know what's going on tonight. Like, did you really think if the doorbell rang, we would answer it like half clothed? I mean, I I have to tell you, he had enough concern. And I feel like that concern came from somewhere. Right. At some point. Yeah. And see, and I think it starts at like being embarrassing at the baseball games and like not really like interacting with the other parents, you know? Yep. I, I. So, and I did not realize that it had like scarred him so much. I didn't that understand so... that that was something that really concerned him, but he's so, he really worries about fitting in and like not drawing any attention to himself, you know, at all. Oh like gosh. do not stand out. That is, it starts young. I feel like, well, I, I think it depends on the child. Is he your oldest? He is. I feel like birth order has a lot to do with this. My son is the oldest and he already like, you know, don't roll down your window, mom. Like if I'm listening to some cool music, which I say it's cool. It's like 20 years cool, ago. Cool. I'm listening to like, say my name, say my name, you know, like driving up to the cool, <laughs> yeah. the, the school. And Ben's like, turn it down, mom, please roll your window up, mom. And he's seven. Oh. I'm like, I don't remember being aware of that. That embarrassment wasn't even a thing when I was seven. I just did whatever. Mm-hmm. My daughter, on the other hand, I mean, she just doesn't care. Like she'll go to school without her pants on if she needs to. She doesn't care. Mm-hmm. And so I do wonder if it's a birth order thing. Yeah, it could be. You know, so much of like your personality is informed by where you are, I feel like, in that little order. Where are you with your siblings? What's your birth order? Do you want to guess? No. Want me to give you a couple clues? I'm a people pleaser. Big people pleaser. Does that mean you're the oldest? I'm the middle child. Oh, the middle child. So I was like, I'm the oldest and I'm supposed to be the responsible, smart one. No. No. My brother is far more, he's younger and 
far more responsible and smarter. Was, so did, was, was like, he kind of raised know. by himself? Was it like a big gap in age? They we're four years apart. So, uh-huh. I mean, like I went off to college and he went off to high school and, you know, so you he know, was still kind of like a little kid, I guess, when they left. But why no. am I not surprised that you are the exception to the rule? Because, Jim, <laughs> honestly, <laughs> I had a whole thing going here. I was like, this is a thing. Birth order is a thing. And Jen's like, well, not for me. No, I mean, but my sister is, she's like the doctor. She's the oldest one. Mm-hmm. She's like, and fit, when she was in kindergarten, she was like, I'm going to be a doctor. And then she became one. And, wow. you know, my my little brother, he got all the attention. And so he needs lots of attention. Mm-hmm. And then I'm kind of like the one that's in between. I'm the peacemaker. I keep everybody connected. Everybody was always worried about me because I didn't have a path, you know, like, no path. <laughs> but it all works out in the end. It does. What? Well, when you wanted, so when you were a kid, what did you want to do? Did you want to be a writer? Did you want to? Oh. Well, I mean, we didn't know the internet existed yet, so we didn't know we could right. do this. But well, at first, I wanted to be an astronaut because I saw a VHS of Space Camp. So, oh, oh that was you know. a great movie. Mm-hmm. It was a yeah. fun one. I mean, and I'm in Alabama, and Huntsville is Space Camp, and so I thought I'll be an astronaut. And then I discovered that I'm I hate and I'm terrible at math and science, and that was kind of killed that dream. You know, it's kind of important so, in, a, in a spaceship. Yeah, that was a big one. And then I was going to be a country music star, an FBI agent, a forensic anthropologist. That was when I was in the bone. I started watching Bones. Yeah, with uh, Temperance Brennan. And so, anytime I saw a show that captivated me, I would want to be whatever was in that show. That makes sense. That and makes that sense. still hasn't changed. Like I'm 37 and during the Olympics, I'll, t- I'll tell my husband, I'll be like, do you think if I worked out really hard, he'll be like, no, you cannot be a gymnast in the Olympics. You're 37. That has, that ship has sailed. <laughs> I always wanted to be a gymnast or one of the uh, ice skaters whenever I yeah, watched the Yeah, the figure Olympics. skaters, right? Yeah. Meanwhile, I can't do a somersault, let alone a cartwheel, let alone, See? you know, jump off the vault or whatever it is. And ice skating, I'm a I'm a decent roller skater, but those ice skate blades are way too narrow to stay up properly. So God, I, I think, had no chance. God bless my mom. I think part of this is her fault, and she's like in the other room, so I know she's going to pop in here and be like, "What's my fault?" But I, <laughs> I, I do think does. it was <laughs> she will. <laughs> I think it was that she told me I could be anything I wanted to do, and she never added any caveats to that. It was just literally whatever you want to do, you can do that. I'm like, cool. So right. I'm interested in this this week. I'm just going to do that. You know, I fell into being an author which is a amazing thing because I know so many friends who wanted to be authors and they haven't had the opportunity and the doors open for them. And so I really kind of hate saying that out loud, but it's been the most fulfilling, wonderful thing. I want to do it forever. How, how did you fall into it exactly? Was it because of the viral videos or what mm-hmm. was it? Yeah, it's a kind of combination of a bunch of really interesting kind of like kismet I mean, I'm a Christian, so I'm like, this is God. And then if you're not, then it's like kismet, whatever. But it started with, yeah, the universe. So I had major postpartum depression with my firstborn and I never left the house. And that's kind of where my personality honestly shifted. Like I never stopped being that way, really. But I got very lonely and I needed community. And so I ended up starting a blog and kind of doing community that way. And I felt less alone. And Mm -hmm. so that was an unintentional thing that kind of snowballed into something bigger. I started it for my friends and family, gathered an audience. Then Facebook Live happened and it turned out that was something I was good at. And so I was, I started growing my audience even more. I had, then this is the greatest thing. I love this so much. This is a lesson in kindness. When I was in high school, I was kind of like a dorky cheerleader. I was a cheerleader that didn't get invited to parties, you know, but because I was also in the marching band. So like nobody, the band didn't trust me because I was a cheerleader. And then the cheerleaders were like, you're in the marching band. So we're not going to invite you to our cool person party. But there was another girl just like me and her name was Lauren. 
And we were both the nerdy cheerleaders that read books on the bus. And so Lauren became a librarian and eventually got a job at a publishing house. And after I had been blogging for a couple of years, she was at this small publishing house in Nashville and they raised and uh, they had a meeting looking for talent. They said, if you know anybody that's a writer who would like to get their feet wet with a, with publishing a book, but it wouldn't be worth a lot of money, like we can't pay a lot, let us know. And she threw my name out there. Oh, wow. And uh, so her Had you guys throwing, kept in touch? Had you kept in touch over all the years? I hadn't talked to her in 20 years. No. Wow. But I mean, Facebook talking, you know, like, hey, I love sure. that post you made, that kind of thing. But it was such a cool thing. And I'll I'll never forget like that lesson and throwing, like she threw a woman's name out, you know, she threw a friend out there. And because of that, my career changed. That editor at that small publisher uh, moved to a big five. And so after my book with her, then the Ellen video happened and grew my audience. And then she moved to Hachette, which is mm-hmm. now where I am. And so it was just a lot of tiny little fortunate steps and things that happened in my favor. And yeah, I just, I mean, I want to do this forever. Yeah. How many books do you have now? I have Mom Babble and Holy Hot Mess, which are published. And I'm in contract for another one coming out in August of next year called Crazy Joy. The subtitle is yet to be determined. We keep arguing about it. <laughs> you're a, you're an author. You know how that goes. You kind of have to like yeah. beat them into submission on your ideas, what they disagree with. <laughs> so I fell into this and I love it and I want to do it forever. But I also am aware that I mean, writing and publishing is a very competitive world. And so, you know, you have one good book and then one bad book and you don't know if you're going to get a deal. So it's, my goal yeah. is to turn in this manuscript and try and get another two book deal. So that way and if I screw the up, new, they're stuck with me. <laughs> is the new book with the same editor again? It is. Yeah. I've had the same editor for three books in a row. And I know that's also a very yeah. rare thing in this industry, yeah. mm-hmm. but I love her. I'd probably follow her anywhere. Don't tell her I said that. Well, and I think it helps. It's interesting because for this podcast, I actually interviewed my editor and I, I just, my newest book is my third book with her as well. And I was saying how it almost kind of took us like three books to kind of figure out like, yeah, Yeah. like how we each work, what are, what are we really good at? And, you know, where are our strengths and weaknesses that we can each kind of do? Because I think coming out of writing at least for me, I feel very, like, I'm very solitary with the way I write. Like, I don't have, yes. like, do you do you use beta readers or anything like that with, like, your, do you have any sort of of your followers me? that read your stuff in advance or anything? I have, so when I first, no, my first book was blog post. It was just, a, it was basically a collection of essays. And so I really didn't consider that like a trade book. My first trade mm-hmm. book was Holy Hot Mess. I accepted that book deal, was super excited. And then I got into it and realized, holy crap, this is a, this is a different thing. This is a completely different beast. And so um, the first manuscript I turned into them was a disaster. And they recommended a developmental editor. So I have my editor at Hachette. And then they asked, they asked me to like kind of start working with somebody whose experience was as a ghostwriter. And so she has this gift of getting in your brain and kind of coming and like talking about the concepts that you're trying to flesh out and then helping you do that a little bit better. So her name is Julie and I work with her now. And at first when they recommended me that I get a developmental editor, it felt like a huge shot to my ego. I'm like, I shouldn't be doing this. You know, this is not, I'm not good enough. But no, I realized that I just, she just has a different set of skills than me. And I love working with her and it's no longer an ego hit for me. I just know that I can write great stories, but I don't organize them well. And she does. And so that would be my beta reader person, but she's almost Mm -hmm. like an extension of my brain. Julie's just brilliant. I mean, a developmental editor, I think is, it's an even bigger job than a beta. Like a beta is great. Like a beta gets, but 
you know, as long as you can find a beta who's like a fangirl who's just going to tell you love everything. Yeah. And, <laughs> and how can you find somebody to read your stuff if they're not, though? That's kind of the struggle, right? Like, well, that's just it. Hi, would you read my stuff for free and give me feedback? But, you know, don't be yeah. a huge fan, but be a fan. Right. But don't. But I mean, yeah. my mom is technically a beta reader, but she loves everything I send her. So <laughs> Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Or, 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 and I think because one time someone asked me to be a beta and I did it and it was actually a really hard job because I am really bad at giving constructive Ooh. feedback. Like I don't yeah. know, like, you know, there's a reason why I have an editor. There's a reason why I hire cover designers. Like I know what I like, but I don't know why I like it. And I know what right. I don't like, and I don't know why I don't like it. So yeah. I'm not very good. Like all I can do is be so like, feedback like, of, I don't like that. And I don't know why is not very helpful. No, <laughs> exactly. You know, like, okay. mm. and then I also, cause I feel like you feel where it's like, you know, I've had kind of this crazy you know, universe, God-driven path, you know, kind of yeah. being that things have kind of lined up for me too. Yeah. And, and I hate to like rain on any author's parade. Like I, I hate, you know, because I do feel like, like you and I, we're incredibly different what we write, how we write, what we sound oh, yeah. like, you know, and, you know, you probably use you know, the G word as much as I use the F word. And so, you know, <laughs> no, it's like, but I love your writing and, and that's and see, cool. I love yours. And I yeah. think, but I think that there's like an audience for everybody. And so I hate to tell yes. anybody that like, if I didn't find it funny or if I didn't find it like my cup of right. tea or whatever, oh, that's like, a I good hate point. to be like, you know, I hate to be like, Oh, I don't like this. Cause I do think there's an audience and especially now with this, you know, with the internet, the way it is with all these different platforms where you can create oh, content yeah. and you can be creative with, with your voice. I hate to tell people like this. Just like you said, there's I room at the top. There's room at the top for everybody. Yes. And, and I, I will tell you, my she's my person. I wouldn't even call her my best friend. She's a totally different type of friend. Amy Weatherly is a dear friend of mine, and she's an upcoming author. They've got a book coming out in February. She is a brilliant writer, and I do not connect with anything she writes. And she right? feels the same way about me. Yeah, we disagree. About, I mean, like, she will read that and be like, why did you write? That seems so negative. My audience loves it. And then she'll mm-hmm. write something, and it's just all sugar. And I'm like, oh, that is a lot. i got to drink some water after reading that, Amy. You know? And we're like... <laughs> It's funny though, because we don't get each other's audiences. Like she thinks something I've made is like going to flop. And I think the same about hers. And then our audience eats it up and we're like, okay, we're just totally different. It's fine. We have different audiences, but it's, we're so different that if I comment on her page, my audience will go over to her. And then she's like, stop sending me your people. They don't get me. Oh, (laughs) please stop. Yeah. Because mine are more politically charged than hers. And and she's kind of like, I am Switzerland. Nobody bother me here. (laughs) (laughs) So she gets really tickled. She's like, yeah, please just, we don't need to share each other's content because our audience, hers gets upset by my content and mine is like, what the heck is, you know. <laughs> what are you doing with this lady? Uh, yeah, that's, a, exactly. that's an interesting point because yeah, I think you're right. I used to, I'm trying to think who it was I used to share content with, but I used to share back and forth with somebody and it was the same way. Like we really liked each other, but like yeah. our audiences did not understand each other. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so exactly. we were like, never mind. This is just hurting more than it's helping. Right. So one of the things I've noticed, okay, so here's the thing I've noticed about you. And if you don't want to talk about this, say you don't want to talk about it, but I feel like you talk about it in person on your, sure. on your stuff all the time. Yeah. You are, you're very vocal about your faith. Yes. But you're also very vocal about your politics, which don't which don't necessarily line up with a lot of people no, in your faith. Not at all. Yeah. So I was trying to be nice. But <laughs> you don't have to. I'm obviously the black sheep of the evangelical world. It's okay. <laughs> so I was gonna say, like, first of all, like when did that start? Because I feel like that was not that was not out of the gate. That's been the last no, it couple wasn't. years. You're right. When I first what's really funny is uh, people make 
te- tease me so much from my mom babble days because I used to like for a, a hot minute, we were a contributor based website and somebody would send me something and I would say, this is not safe for mom babble because it has a bad word. Yeah. It's very political, mm. you know? And so when I got started, I was just very like, I stayed away from hot button topics where that changed. I think was when I started working at scary mommy and I was in a writer's group with a lot of just brilliant women who were very different from me. And we challenged each other quite a bit. And their audience, good Lord, I mean, you want to you get eaten alive, publish on Scary Mommy. But so I learned, I mean, I just kind of found a little bit more of my voice there. And then 2016 happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I feel like most people who wanted to be Switzerland, like myself, wanted to be Switzerland, felt morally compelled that that was no longer an option. And right. so especially as a person of faith, because I felt the need to protect such a weird thing. It's not like Jesus needs my protection. It's like the Jesus fan club is the worst. It's like your branding is off, dude. Like, I don't know what, whoever your PR team is out here is really messing things up. And so I just honestly felt the need to start speaking out on things that I felt were like morally conflicted with my faith. Like, oh, hey, Mm -hmm. you don't speak for me. Like, I don't actually agree with that. And so I should probably clarify because there are people following my page who know that I believe in Jesus and that I am an evangelical Christian. And now they're going to start assuming A, B, and C about me. And I have to be upfront that that is not the case. And so I think that I kind of developed my voice over the last like five or six years through writing with other sharp women and I'm experiencing a very unique political climate that I don't think has ever existed in this country before. Did you change your mind on things? Oh, or yeah. did you always felt that way and you just were more vocal? Um, no, I mean, like when I was at UAB, I was probably, I, I was like the vice president of college Republicans. <laughs> What's UAB? What's UAB? <laughs> my college, U- University of Alabama at Birmingham. Oh, okay. <laughs> Fun story. This is in my book, actually. I was on my honeymoon, like the first day of my honeymoon, my husband and I were driving down the road and I don't even know what we started talking about, 9-11 or just something super honeymoony. Like, whoa, that's <laughs> definitely what you talk about on the way to the hotel. And I, he's just like a skeptic and he's a very much like a, like he doesn't believe in, he doesn't trust anybody. So he was oh. all like, you know, I watched this show and I'm just not sure about this. And I told him, I said, I will never have your liberal effing babies and stormed out of the car. And so now he likes to laugh and make fun of me because he was like, well, ma'am, you make <laughs> me look like center, you know? Right. But yeah, I just evolved over time. And I still don't know where I belong, honestly, because I don't fit square in any political party. And I don't really feel like I fit in at church either. Mm -hmm. A little too Christian for the left and a little too left for church. And it's got me in this very strange space. But the more people that are starting to talk about it, like there's the Jen Hatmakers of the world and the Glennon Doyles of the world, they're coming out and saying, no, I'm going to deconstruct all of these things I believed my whole life. I believe in kindness and I believe in Jesus and loving people. And the rest of it, I'm going to have to start chewing on because I'm not sure that I'm taking that with me anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's been good, but it's been scary. It's amazing. But yeah, your inbox must be an absolute shit show. It is. But no, I mean, like, you know, what's the funny thing is I do what I call shaking the tree. Like once every two months or so, I make a post that just like, if there's somebody sticking around that doesn't know me, they figure it out right quick and they leave. But that, and that's bad for my numbers, <laughs> but it's fantastic for my community though, because then they know where I stand and they stick around and they expect that. And so I don't want to like have a hidden brand, like this hidden messaging that when I publish a book, everybody that's bought it feels tricked. I want them sure. to know who I am. And so 
I'm honest about my advocacy for, you know, Black Lives Matter and the LGBTQ community. And I also talk about how much I love Jesus. And so nobody's shocked anymore. (laughs) If they're following my page, they know who I am. And so the majority of my inbox is actually folks who feel marginalized in the church. And that breaks my heart, but also really affirms me and my purpose and what I'm doing. I had an event when I released my book at at a church, probably one of the first times I've been in a while. And a trans lady came and said, I only felt safe coming here because you were speaking. And that to me was like, that's it. That's what I'm here to do is I'm Mm -hmm. here to say, everybody's welcome at the table. And, you know, if it's my party, everybody's welcome at the table. And so, yeah, I'd say I've changed quite a bit, Jen. Sounds Um, like In the last 15 years, very significantly in the last four years, you know, I just have been edged further and further along. Well, and I think a lot of, I saw a lot of, you know, I've always, I, I've always been kind of the person who shakes the tree all the time. Oh, and, yeah. and I felt like I was surrounded by a lot of Switzerland's for a long time. And yeah. so it's been nice to have, it's been nice to see some people. Cause I do feel like I've been given this platform. Right. And yes, it's great. And I have fun and I entertain, entertain people. And I, you know, I enjoy connecting with them and creating communities and of course, you know, selling books and all the things that this platform can do. But I also like to kind of raise awareness about things that are important to me. And right. And so I just feel like my analogy is always like my platform is my house and you can't yeah. come in my house and shit on my rug. Like, absolutely. You know, like you're welcome in my house. Everyone can come in. But if you start shitting on my rug, you're, you have to leave. <laughs> so. Well, you know, and the, the funny thing is because I'm a person of faith, I take my platform as almost a gift from God. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if I believe these things, A, B, and C, and that like the church should be doing better, then I pretty much don't have a choice but to leverage my platform for those causes because it feels like such a gift that who knows how long it'll last. I mean, fighting the algorithm on Facebook. <laughs> You know, yeah. sometimes my post reaches 2 million people and sometimes it reaches 25. And so yeah. I know that my time, it's like a house on rented land. I mean, we both have mm-hmm. the house. It's our house. But at any given time, Zuckerberg can evict us. It could happen. And um, so I'm, I want to use it. I'm restricted right now. I'm restricted for the next 60 now, days because of something I said. No, I'm not surprised that that is the case. I will say I've probably <laughs> never been kicked off for the reasons that you get kicked off. <laughs> I think I said he had a tiny dick or I can't remember, but yeah, it was something. That sounds like a Gen Man quote. Yeah. Yeah. They were just Mm -hmm. like, you're like, I'm going to go out like on, you know, real social issues. I'm like, I'm going to go out on an insult because that makes sense. I love it. I love it. No, but I do love seeing this because it does give me a lot of hope because I'm a very cynical person, you know, and I, I was, I was raised Christian and my family, my parents are still there. My parents are there. They didn't get the memo about what it's supposed to be about. They forgot what Jesus would do sometimes. And yeah. so it's kind of frustrating to me to kind of see that. But I don't feel like, to me, like that's not the hill that I'm going to die on because yeah. I don't care that much about it. But I, it, but yeah. it does bother me. So I'm glad to see that a lot of, it's so nice to see so many people speaking out now and kind of, It's becoming more and more common. I saw house. a study and it made me really, it, it was very exciting to me that, Millennials, which I guess I am one. Uh, I hate the label because I feel like it's so tarnished with all the, you know, I don't eat Tide Pods and I don't whatever. I mean, I love millennials. We're awesome. But I saw a study that said that we are keeping our faith, but leaving the church. There you go. And it's a very interesting thing. I mean, all my life I grew up hearing, we need a revival, you know, a revival. And uh, I'm like, what if the revival looks like walking away from church and kind of recentering on what this message was supposed to be to begin with. So yeah, it's, uh, it is encouraging to see that 
it's nice that there are people who did it ahead of me though, because I'm not like taking hits like the gin hat makers and Glennon's did. Yeah, they really they did were kind that of, trail. I mean, you know, Jen lost book deals. I mean, they kicked her books out of Lifeway Christian. I mean, she almost lost her career. That's mm-hmm. bold. And then she pro- she was able to prove that there's an audience that is here for this and you are wrong. And so now that she's proven that path, um, it's a lot easier for me to walk it. Mm-hmm. So I would say like, it, it's not the most courageous thing I've ever done. There's people doing it ahead of me. And so they've made it a lot easier and I've got to give them a shout out, you know? Yep. Yep. No, that's absolutely true. I mean, we, you know, they blaze the trail, you keep going and you keep the trail open for people coming behind you. Cause there'll be another yeah. whole crew coming up behind you too. I hope that, so. I really hope so. They'll be inspired by what you guys are doing and they'll, they'll really. So I know that this year has been kind of hard on you physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, all of it. Yep. How do you, how do you, are you recharging? How are you getting through this? What do you, do you have tips for people that can that work for well, you? I, you know, I don't, I, I mean, I'm kind of doing the living in the trenches just like everybody else is this year. And I try to be very honest about that on my Facebook page. I'm like, Hey guys, I've got therapy on Tuesday. And I mean, the other thing is like, I would like to give the advice that everybody should go to weekly therapy and, but it's just not accessible for everyone. So what I try to tell them is that it's just hard. Mm-hmm. And right now things are hard and I've had like meds that have stopped working this year and trying to taper off of those have been a nightmare. But what I, what I always do is I, I check three things. I check what's my mental health. What's my spiritual health. What's my physical health. I kind of spiritual and emotional are kind of a big blob for me. I'm not really sure how to separate those things out, but physically, you know, I know how to get that in order. I, I stopped drinking alcohol because, you know, I have an addictive personality. So if I'm in a bad place, that's not a good thing for me. I start exercising because it helps with my like dopamine or whatever. And, but mentally, I mean, there's only so much you can do. Like you've got to, you've got to seek actual help. Right. And I'm lucky enough to be able to do that. And so I do therapy and I do it regularly. Well, cause you know, and it's hard because the thing I keep seeing the most is, you know, get off social media, get off. Right. right. Oh gosh. Get yes. off. And it's like, that's not, that can't be done for us. Like we can't do that. No. I, I mean, <laughs> if I want to sell a book, I have to keep my platform. And I know just like you, every single writer that I know right now has said, I wish I could burn it to the ground. I hate social media. We all hate it. I mean, but we love the love platform it gives it. us. Yeah. I would I mean, like to rebuild it. It's, I would it's too. gotten, you know, I'd like to go back to the old days when you could see the people you wanted to see. You didn't, right. I mean, and I don't even mind an ad here or there. Like I'm fine with the Me ads. Either. I don't That's mind fine. that. It's really the algorithms of sort of deciding who and what I'm going to see that I'm really furious well, with. Have, did you and, watch that? The social, not I did. Uh, okay. Well, what really concerns me and what I saw, but I couldn't put like a finger on what it was, and they named it. They were like the curated news feeds are reaffirming people's bias bubble. Yes, and that's such a dangerous thing, and I see it now more. I think that's why we have more radicalized left and right. I mean, I, I think 100%. that people are there once they start saying, "I don't want to see this. I don't want to see this. I don't want to see this." Well, then their news feed is an echo chamber for them, mm-hmm. and you'll never be challenged. And so I, another struggle that I had over the last couple of years is there are people that I do not want to interact with, but I also don't want them to go into an echo chamber. And if they're willing to keep me in their newsfeed, I mean, I kind of want to be there, right? But it's emotionally exhausting arguing with these folks. I was, you know, I'm born and raised in Alabama. You can imagine the majority of my friends from childhood and up, they're Southern Baptist. They're very conservative. And I have a a deep, long-lasting relationship with a lot of these people, and we disagree so strongly on certain things. And so social media has been hard in that way because their Mm -hmm. bubble 
is a huge echo chamber. And then there's me, you know, right. Like, they haven't well, gotten rid of me this, yet. Well, and I feel the same way. And it's interesting because you're in Alabama. I'm in Kansas. Mm-hmm. So Kansas is, I don't, I, I'm, I really haven't been to Alabama, but you know, I, I think the stereotypes of Kansas and Alabama are probably fairly close to. <laughs> I know. To I would think Kansas is like, you know, middle America, hardworking kind of like, you know, I am. They love God. They love guns. And they I love, love God you know, and corn and I'm going to shoot things. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They like yeah. to shoot things and they like to, you know. Yeah. And, um, but you know, <laughs> my friends that live on the coast are just like, oh, I would exclude everybody who doesn't feel the same way I feel or who doesn't think the way I feel. I would right. I cut them out of my life. Yeah. And I'm sort of like, if I did that, I would have nobody left. I would have no neighbors. I would have no family. I tried to explain. I'm in a couple writing. So I'm in a couple writers groups and my friends that are writers that live on the coasts, Oregon, New York, they're like, you shouldn't hold space for those people. You need to write them off. I'm like, well, that is very easy for you to say when 90% of your state thinks the way you do. Mm-hmm. I have to send my kids to school with these people. I have to buy my gas from these people. And so, no, I mean, I don't want to like, you know, if I disagree with something, I, I can't necessarily just write them off. Otherwise, my newsfeed becomes an echo chamber and who's learning from that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know it is hard. You know, I have family members that I love very much that disagree with me. I can't write them out of my life. No. So, and I yeah, it's been a weird thing. And I don't want to do is that. It, well, and I think that, you know, it comes back to like trying to, trying to talk to people like as people, like, you know, I take great pride in like, you know, when people will come to me and they'll say like, you and I disagree on so many things, but yet I did this because you have talked about it enough that I went and yes. I did my research and I realized that you were correct. And so now my mind has changed. And I'm sort of like, I mean, I realize that's one person out of a million, but yet, you know, this one person that but, I've never reached. And so to me, but it's that's, like that's how my journey started too, you know? I mean, like you don't know what your work is going to do to somebody else because what would Jen Hatmaker, how could she possibly know that this little girl with 10,000 followers was going to like, feel empowered by the truth that she was speaking and end up with almost a million followers and several book deals where I'm kind of reflecting that messaging back and I'm getting it to my audience. And so her courageous, like her courage has had this just like exponential effect. And it's so cool when you don't know who you're touching, you know? No, no. And it could be just as simple as, you know, I got my vaccine to, you know, I've got book deals and I'm also now an influencer and changing people's minds and hearts. And, you know, I mean, just the fact of how much like you have changed over the years, like, like I said, like it, it really, and, and me too. I mean, I, I said, like, I wrote a, a chapter in my book where I said something about that, like, I'm, I'm actually kinder and gentler. I think the only person who is kinder and gentler thinks to the internet because that is a very interesting I was thing. really mad when I came here. I was really, I just, like I said before, I was very cynical. I'm very like, you know, opinionated. I judge a lot. And right. then I started like, glimpsing into people's lives, you know? And then I was like, oh shit, right. like, oh, that, okay, that, yeah. wow. Yeah. We don't, we don't know what experiences or trauma are in, are informing people's opinions, right or wrong. And so sometimes when you attack their opinion, what you're actually doing is attacking their trauma response. And so you're like, okay, this is not the right way to go about this. And the other thing that I learned is on the internet, every it's the most ridiculous and awful people that are loudest. You know, mm-hmm. it's very easy to buy into the fact that those are the people that are everywhere. But then I go out in the real world. I'm like, oh, I mean, people don't interact that way in real life. Most, Mm-mm. most of them, you know, most of them. And so it's a good reminder to just log off sometimes. And it's the nature of the beast that we're all a part of. 
<laughs> well, unfortunately, he who screams the loudest gets the most attention. And so right. sometimes you have to scream. But but I did I it did help me sort of see into other people's lives and understand them. You know, people because I am very much in my bubble, even as right. much as I try to get out of my bubble, I know that I'm in a bubble. And for me, the internet is like a great resource for that because I can go down rabbit holes and see, you know, when people just today in one of my groups, like somebody dropped a link, which I was kind of surprised she was still there. And even like people in my group were like, how are you still here? If you're, she's an anti-vaxxer and she dropped some, you know, doctor. (laughs) You're like, how are you still here? Yeah. I was like, I didn't shake the tree hard enough last month. Yeah, I was like, "Oh, wow, look who's still Honestly, here!" Hilarious, you know. And I, but I went down the rabbit hole. I watched the video because I thought, "Well, I just want to see what you know, like what they're." Saying, how do you buy on. into this? I need to know. Yeah, you know, like, right? Like, what made you decide to eat horse paste instead right, of just get a right. shot? Oh, I can, I can give you some really fun insight because you know my husband's an ER doctor. He I told me this that. week. He said, "Oh, there's a new mur- miracle cure. I can't wait for it to hit the news." Gargling betadine. You heard it what? here first. <laughs> why would I do that? Instead oh, I don't just know. Why would you? Why would you eat horse warmer? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. These oh are the things gosh. we don't know. I feel like. I mean, I don't know. Although, um, well, what to each their own, I guess. But I just can't imagine that that would be the the better alternative. But again, I'm just I'm just judging their trauma apparently, and I'm not. I need to understand. Such a horrible person. Do you don't know what trauma do led need- them to that horse dewormer. Right. Like I do need to understand better sort of like right, where right. someone's coming from. And I always bring it back to like the education department in this country that I'm just like, you know, the fact that, yep. you know, my kids know more about like TikTok and Instagram stars than they do right. about right. any well, you know, in I, the United States. I kind of, I sometimes I imagine that when I'm, I'm reaching out to people, I'm reaching out to people who look exactly like me and think like me and talk like me. And so the other day I got really mad and I was like blaming, I said, anti-vaxxers is the reason that all of this is happening, all of it, you know? And then a friend of mine who happens to be a black woman said, Mary Catherine, you may not understand hesitancy to trust in medical world, but I live in Tuskegee yep. and the history here is very complicated. And so that the way that you're approaching this is really missing. That's what I meant by like some of these people's choices are trauma informed, you know, yes, generations yes. of trauma informed. And so going at it like that did nothing to move my friends to to sit closer to the issue, you know, mm-hmm. because she's right. Whereas I have zero reason to have skepticism really when it comes to like uh, vaccine trials. Her family does. Yes. And so I had to really kind of reconsider that I'm just... I'm not speaking into a bubble that looks just like me. There are people who have different lived experiences. And if I'm going to move them, if I'm going to move the needle, I have to do it with kindness. Well, and good for her for kindly pointing that out to you too. Yeah, it was a huge blind spot for me. You know, I mean, she could have come at you and... And yet, she could have, have, and I would have listened because I would have probably tucked tail and been like, you're right. But um, we have a long history together. We went to school together. And lucky for me, I have people who can gently correct, call me in instead of call me out, right? And lucky for you, you can see the error of your ways because I right. think that's where a lot of us struggle is that we get very defensive when we're called right. out. I mean, I'm still and furious about people not va- getting vaccinated. I'm still furious about indeed. it. But but now I can understand why some people have made that choice and sure. maybe talk to them differently about it. Right. Right. You know? that's Yeah, that is true. Totally got oh, on a rabbit goodness. hole there. Sorry, Jen. Hey, man, that's what we do on this podcast. We just go down rabbit holes. Fun so. times. Yeah. So I wanted to know a little bit about early on in this interview, you said something about that you donated a kidney. Yeah. That was kind of wild. (laughs) Who got, who has your kidney? My uncle. 
he ended up okay, passing so away. But let me tell you, it's a, it's, it's a good story. I was a newlywed and my husband had just started medical school. And my uncle had what's called, we call this a zebra disease in the, in the medical world, which I'm not in. But since I, my sister's a doctor, she's like my hero. My, my husband's a doctor. And I mean, he's not my hero, but I hear about his crap every day. So I know what a zebra is. And a zebra is a really rare case. Like usually it's a horse, you know, like the oxum's razor. Like if it's the most obvious answer is probably what it is. But he had a zebra. He had a disease that only 35 people in the world currently are known to have. Wow. And so we, when they diagnosed him with that, well, when they diagnosed him, they didn't know that it was a zebra though. They thought it was something common. And so they were, he was able to get a new kidney and he got on the list. If they had known what he had, he would not have been eligible. So the interesting thing is, is after I went through the process and um, donated a kidney, he has the long, he, he lasted longer than anybody else that had had that disease. So now they're researching whether or not organ donation will look is uh, something that they should qualify for because he got nine years with a one-year mortality rate. Oh, wow. So it's a pretty cool thing, you know, that maybe that my case will be able to help change the standard of whether or not people with Arnheim-Chester's disease are eligible for kidneys. Jeez. So cool. So basically, like, you're a really good person. No. Do you have anything bad that you can tell me that would make me feel a little bit better? Make you feel better? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Oh my like, gosh. No, I cannot bad. tell you about like, the red Do not return your shopping cart. Do not like. Oh, I can tell you that sometimes I do leave my shopping cart. I do. Yes. I'm a bad, oh selfish person. So sometimes okay. I'm like, I've got two children. I just got them in the car seat and that is way over there. I'm going to put it right here. I've done that. I have. Yep. Listen, right, well, I'm a selfish person. Good. Man. I'm glad. And if I think of some other terrible things that I do, I'll, I'll be sure to let you know. Shopping <laughs> okay. carts are a big one. That, okay, well, that makes me feel a lot better because, man, you've done a lot of kind and generous <laughs> things in your life. And I'm sitting here going like, darn. I mean, do you have do you have any? Okay, so you're another. You're a person who tells us most, I mean, there are really no secrets with you. Like you pretty much put mm. it all out there. But That's I've true. been asking people on this podcast sometimes, like, is there something that your audience doesn't know about you that you can tell me today a secret? Hmm. Do you have anything that I always hope that, that someone will confess to murder, but I don't think it's going to happen. No, I've told all of the juicy stuff. I don't know. All right. I mean, well, you know, I'll, my audience, then... they don't know how I voted. Yes, they do. They know. How I voted. Yes, they do. We all know how you voted. <laughs> I hope, well, that's I no, think. honestly, that's no fun. I don't have anything fun to share with you. I don't have anything fun at all. All right. No secrets. Well, that, Dad, I mean, it. that's no some, fun. Some people don't have secrets. It's just the way it goes. I mean. Some of us, some of us keep everything inside. Some of us put it all out there. So I've tried weed. I've tried weed. You did? Mm -hmm. Legally. It was legal. So I tried it. I feel like that is a big secret. Nobody should. Colorado. No, no, not Colorado. New York. Is it legal in New York? In the city it is. Okay. Because I was like, Colorado, I knew about, but New York, I didn't know. Now I'm trying to remember where I was. Oh, no. I don't remember. That's so bad. Well, I mean, I think that's kind of like a sort of a a side effect if you do too much. Probably so. (laughs) Probably so. And honestly, I think I'm a I think I'm a fan, but like it's not legal here. So okay. Well, there that blew my mind. So there you go. Boom. Boom. Hey. There you go. All right. So that ball of truth. Yeah. Okay. So (laughs) holy hot mess is out now. You can get it everywhere. Correct. Mm -hmm. 
Yes. And are you going on tour or anything like that? I know it's kind of weird, but like even a virtual tour or something? I did. You know, so I started off, I, I did schedule a launch tour and that was before the Delta variant showed up. And so I kind mm-hmm. of had this like weird moment where like, I'm like, oh my gosh, I've got all these people who bought tickets. I have to go do the tour. And so we did a very limited, just across the Southeastern United States and, you know, massed events. And since that time, no, but I've also found out that like, that just takes a lot more energy than I really have. Mm-hmm. At the end of that week, I had very little left to give to my kids. And I didn't like that. It made me feel kind of like a, it felt gross. Like I was losing my mm-hmm. temper with them for about two weeks. And I was like, wow, that took a lot more out of me than I probably have to give. And so that's going to have to be a once a year thing. Okay. And then the new book, it's due in December. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, if people are listening, they want to get my book, Holy Hot Mess. I am a huge, I'm so proud of it. It's a, it's a big heart it's a project. Book. It's a passion project. It is a national bestseller. So I can brag on that. We were talking about how the people who like get the most attention are the loudest. Well, I went and checked the like bestsellers list and where I was. And if you had seen all the people above me, you would understand that how true that is. It was literally like Tucker Carlson and Ben Shapiro and like, and then me. It was so random. (laughs) It was like, these books are literally like Marxism in the United States. The world is on fire. How the left stole Jesus. Holy hot mess by Mary Catherine Backstrom. (laughs) That's awesome, though, because that's a tough category. It was a tough tough category, category. and I stood out like a sore thumb, but that was honestly so much fun. I was like, yay, look at that happy little book written by a woman. So, um, (laughs) yeah, and then my next book is about joy, and it's uh, (laughs) – And I hope that it, and I'm going to be sharing kind of similar ridiculous stories from life, but the concept that I found, and this is where it came from, I saw a long-term study, 75 years that Harvard did, most studies don't last that long, a 75-year study on happiness. And the conclusion was, I'll let you read it later, but the conclusion was the pursuit of happiness is making us miserable. And I thought, how, how cool is that? So all Wait. this time, the American dream has told us that we need more, we need to chase more and pursue more. But what if true happiness is simply just contentment? Mm. And being exactly where you are and being happy there. And so I've been researching joy and biblical Mm -hmm. joy, obviously, as a person of faith. And my next book is all about flipping the standard of what happiness looks like and pursuing joy and contentment instead. That's awesome. So earlier you said you're a millennial. I'm I'm Gen X. And so (laughs) I think when you hit your late 40s, you kind of, it, that, that concept sort of hits you that you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. Like, I gotta have like I gotta. It just comes from me. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. Oh my gosh! Oh, like, what? Yeah. Like, I was I was sold a bill of goods. I was told I needed to do all this stuff. Yeah. And you know, I think a lot of forty year old women would call it. You know, I I have no more fucks to give. But really, what it yeah. is is like I just don't want to do anything anymore. If it doesn't right. bring me a hundred percent joy, I'm not doing it. You know, right. that's it. And that's kind of my standard for whether or not I'm going to accept something anymore. As it's like, yes. does this, this is like the, I'm going to Maria, I'm going to Marie Kondo my life. Yeah. <laughs> this, this person does not spark joy. Out you go. <laughs> Bye. And like you said, like you realize that like book tours are not something right. that you want to expend your energy on. They do on, not you know, spark so joy. Nope. No, it does not spark joy. So I'm not going to do that. I will yeah. figure out other ways to like do this. Exactly. So I think that's, I think that's awesome. And so do we have a, do we have a date that for that book, a publication date yet? For I'm that guessing one yet? probably August third, if not the same. I mean, it's they're looking at the same time frame as Holy Hot Mess, which was August. So I'm thinking next August we'll have Crazy Joy out on the shelves. Crazy Joy, Yay. love it. So well, that will be great. So, where can everybody find you if if they want to yeah. find you and follow you on social media and everywhere? I'm mostly on Facebook. I do have an Instagram, and I like I have like this like 
super sketchy Twitter account where I mostly just fight with people and nobody knows it, including my publisher. And I'm not going to tell anybody my handle, but I am on Twitter too. That's my favorite (laughs) place. If I'm in a grouchy mood, I can't go to Facebook. I just go Twitter, (laughs) hit send. But Facebook, Mary Catherine Backstrom, Instagram, Mary Catherine Backstrom. But yeah, that's that's it. It's easy. No more mom babble. Just my name. Get your book at all your bookstores. If your local bookstore doesn't have it, Mm -hmm. they can order it for you. That's correct. Everybody can get it. And I, I, I was able to get an advanced copy of this book. I blurbed this book and I loved it. I thought it was really, really great book. And I just, to me, what I think I said was, I was going to look at my quote and I forgot, but I think to me, I said like sitting down and having coffee with someone who loves Jesus. And the name is on the books. I mean, yeah, it's totally backwards, it but you Boom. said, I will tell you what you said, Jen, tell because me. it's reading this delightful and funny book. is a little bit like grabbing coffee and a side of therapy with your slightly sassy Southern best friend who is also best friends with Jesus. You're the best, honestly, Jen. That had to go on the cover. <laughs> Good job, Jen. If I had to write something for myself, it would have sounded like that. So you really tickled me there. I was made me happy. <laughs> I was trying to channel you because I don't usually word delightful very often, but I did find oh. it. It is. But you know what? I think that is a word that goes with you. I think of delightful and I think of Mary Catherine. So thank you so much for coming on here today. I know this was a bit of a juggle for you to get all all of this in today. But that was crazy getting I I feel like we had to reschedule three times. So thank you for having me. Well, I'm glad we did this and everybody run out and get her book. It's a great book and follow Mary Catherine everywhere you can. So and I will be back. I will be back for Crazy Joy and to talk more about people we want to punch. Okay, Jen. Let's do that. (laughs) Crazy Joy with punching. Oh, yes. Yes. That would be a heck of a forward. I'm going to punch you with joy. (laughs) Punch you in the face with some joy. I love it. (laughs) Take this joy. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Mary Catherine. Thanks for listening and subscribing to No Pants Required with Jen Mann. Don't forget to follow me on social media and subscribe to my newsletter at jenmanwrites.com. My newest book, Midlife Bites, Anyone Else Falling Apart or Is It Just Me?, will be out in January, but it's available for pre-order everywhere books are sold.